I think I spent, uh, like uh, maybe many of you, a considerable portion of life uh, abandoning, brushing aside inconvenient emotions. Perhaps the period of my life that most uh, leaps out, uh, and amongst many, 9-11 in New York. Having witnessed it, I was at a safe distance, but the impression it left completely eroded any sense of uh, purpose or point in my life. And I remember subsequently, in the months that followed, trudging into work and feeling each day this hollowness, this heaviness in my step, this sadness be behind, well, almost tears behind my eyes, a sense of dread for the workday that would follow, uh, a complete lack of any sense of point. I, I should say that I was at that time uh, working in advertising, so of course this was an accurate... Uh, <laughs> appraisal. <laughs> but after 9-11, it really seemed just so overwhelmingly meaningless. And as I would get to the, the building on 49th Street and trudge into the elevators to the fourth or fifth floor, and I would paste on this sort of what I thought was an appropriate expression to indicate some form of enthusiasm and when people would ask how I, would, I was, I would say, while every internal experience was screaming no, I would say, fine, I'm okay, how are you? That was the point that led to everything becoming unglued, because the discrepancy between what I was presenting <coughs> to others and what I was actually experiencing became such a divide that it was no longer tenable, and um, thankfully, I had uh, a complete nervous breakdown. Thankfully, at, I had been, uh, for a long time, as a Buddhist practitioner, I was surrounded by a Sangha, so I had the support and uh, the people available to help me. And that's why I would like to present some, a tool that I've found to be extremely beneficial in my practice, especially when it comes to working with emotions, by which I mean especially those times when the mind inexplicably brings back again and again and again attention to a past memory or to an external situation or to create an internal experience that is clearly a signal of some form of distress or activation. So this practice is called RAIN, which is an acronym, and acronyms are almost invariably awful things, <laughs> with at least one word making absolutely no sense so they can kind of <laughs> squeeze it in. It was developed by Michelle McDonald and subsequently... Um, her friend Tara Brock really popularized it as a meditation technique. So R stands for uh, recognize. Recognizes um, just the ability to be aware that a emotion is actually present. 
an emotional signal is present. Instead of brushing aside that hollowness in the chest, that tightness in the stomach, that, cl that clutching in the throat, or that repetitive memory that keeps surfacing into mind, or that jumpy, anxious uh, tension, instead of brushing that aside as something inconvenient, something that we uh, uh, don't want to know about, or somaticizing. Many people mistake emotional messages in the body as actual physical ailments. So instead of doing that, what we do is we turn towards whatever is the experience. And then we prevent attention from jumping away. Anxiousness is a very strong response to the arising of repressed emotions. Anxiety is the experience of a battle between the left and right hemisphere. The right hemisphere is bringing up unpleasant memories, uh, strong negative emotional uh, uh, signals of loneliness, disconnection, loss, uh, feelings of isolation or whatever. And then the, the right hemisphere brings that up and the left is battling to just keep the daily life agenda going, to keep presenting to the world, to keep looking good, to keep up with our tasks, to keep up with our schedules, to keep up with our routines. So it creates this internal battle. The right hemisphere, I want to think about this, the time, the breakup, the time in fourth grade I was bullied, whatever. And then the left hemisphere, no, 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 let's focus over here on anything else but that, anxiety. What we do is we keep the attention present with the signal, whatever is signaling for our attention, whatever the right hemisphere wants us to pay attention to, whatever is the most inconvenient experience, we stay with it. Again, it, the most inconvenient experience that we have will almost invariably be the emotional one because your left hemisphere does not bring up inconvenience. Uh, it's just about let's keep the functions going in the world, let's keep our schedule, let's keep the busyness and the routines. But the emotional mind will bring up things that don't make sense, that seem to be deeply inconvenient, wrong, uh, that, you know, has nothing to do with what you need to do that day. And that's what we actually turn towards. Sometimes labeling at this point is very useful because labeling such as, oh, sadness, oh, welcome, here you are, anger, oh, there you are, my old friend, self-doubt, oh, there you are, you know, just saying hello to it, giving it a quick label. The label doesn't have to be in any way accurate. It shouldn't be demeaning in any way. It should just simply be a way to recognize and welcome the experience. Labeling creates the internal neural experience of recognition. And so much of our emotions are simply, simply seeking that, to be recognized, to be actually observed, seen, accepted. So sometimes labeling can be such a powerful tool in and of itself. One famous psychologist, Pennebaker, uh, who wrote a lot of books about processing emotions, showed that in uh, 
when people label uh, an emotion, almost immediately the strength of the activation recedes. So did Lieberman, by the way, uh, another neuropsychologist showed that as well. I'd like to also bring up here uh, the importance of self-soothing versus self-numbing. Self-numbing is the habitual ingrained tendency to get rid of emotions. So if we're back home, we might, when we feel lonely, switch on Netflix. Uh, or we might go on Facebook. Or we might do something that immediately gets rid of the experience of loneliness. Here, we might immediately try to somehow repress it. We might somehow try to uh, immediately focus again and again on the breath as a way to spiritually bypass loneliness. We might try to do anything but to experience that emotion. So self-numbing essentially is any attempt to get rid of an emotional signal. Self-soothing, on the other hand, is the attempt to make ourselves as comfortable as possible so that we can be with rather than get rid of an emotional expression. So, for example, if a strong emotion presents itself, a really painful memory, uh, a painful experience in the belly, we might go outside. We might sit in the sun we might hear the cicadas, feel the warmth. We might create a very, very pleasant uh, sensory environment for ourselves and be with the experience. Sometimes I've found myself that I can uh, be with strong emotions while I'm lying down, but I can't be with them in the strict meditation sitting up with a straight back. Um, I had a friend who quite suddenly uh, his uh, fiancé became sick and died of an aggressive form of cancer, and uh, it was a, a horrific event. And he found that he couldn't grieve in his apartment, but if he went to the beach and lied in the sun and felt the sand and uh, heard the waves. It created just enough of that safe container, that soothing uh, sensory background that he could then be with the loss and the grief. So you're absolutely permitted when there are strong emotions present to make yourself as comfortable as possible to work with it. Uh, sometimes that might mean, uh, for me on retreats, I've actually often, when I've felt a sort of a rising of sadness, I've actually, instead of the walking meditation, I'll just go and I will just find the most comfortable environment and be with whatever is seeking my, that attention. Now sometimes if you get too close, or if something becomes too hot and we don't know how to self, we don't have the ability to self-soothe, or there's just too much grief, or just too much flooding, uh, anger, or whatever, or just we're in an inappropriate situation where at work somebody has said something that really activates an entire lifetime of men being inappropriate, and we just can't be with the anger then. And so we make an appointment with it later on at night, and that's where 
concentration on the breath, taking, you know, just turning, going away, working with the breath, breath, becoming very, very, you know, creating a soothing internal settled mind. And then that can be a huge part of this process, moving towards which is insight, backing off which is concentration, moving towards which is sati, mindfulness, investigation of the four foundations, backing off, which is, again, concentration on metaphrase, concentration on sound, concentration on the breath. So it becomes this balancing act of the self-care, which concentration, and the easing, which that can bring, and then the addressing and the unpacking and the difficult emotional work of insight. And they both work hand in hand. So A is allow, while recognize is just seeing that a strong signal is present, labeling it, creating a recognition that something is seeking our attention. Allowing means to overcome that tendency to um, think there's something wrong, push it away, get rid of, in any way, curtail or um, resist. In Buddhism, we say that suffering is, uh, the large bulk of suffering is from resistance, as the Salatha Sutta, the arrows or dart Sutta showed. The thing that really creates those second arrows in life, those great ongoing pain, is very often the way we greet the uh, unwanted, the difficult, rather than having that knowing response of this is a part of a human existence, sadness, loneliness, despair, anger, disappointment with others. The Buddha said that uh, in the... uh, um, the second, the Sabhasava Sutta, he said that you should expect with a human birth not just uh, insect bites and uh, wild animals to be roaming around and difficult, ex- frustrating experiences in old age and sickness and all that, but irritating people. <laughs> That's part of the deal. So rather than Greet this as, why me? Why is this happening to me? This is wrong. The world should be otherwise. Any overlay that this shouldn't be the way it is, we turn towards experience with a very simple word, which could be either yes or welcome or just this. Just this right now is what I'm working with. Or yes, this is happening. Or welcome. This is my experience right now. Interestingly enough, this refusal to resist, to push away, to run from, uh, almost immediately reduces so much of our distress in life. Just that simple practice. I was once on a spiritual retreat with a whole bunch of different spiritual practitioners from different traditions, and we got stuck with the born-agains 
in the dorm. It was me and the Bornigans who who looked at me with the kind of regard that you would look at a tick that had somehow landed on your leg after a hike in the woods. And um, they were everywhere. And the only way I could... uh, (laughs) The only way I could be with... uh, the born against was I would see them and I would shoot them with yes, 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 you're here, yes, you too, yes, even you, yes, which immediately relaxed the resistance and made it possible to be with the inconvenient, the unwanted, the unpleasant. Now, this doesn't mean we agree with whatever has arisen. Sometimes we might not be particularly in the mood for the uh, expressions of despair, sadness, or anger, or, or grief. We might really want to have a day away from the stuff we're working with. And there it is again. And we might not particularly want to say, this is okay. But yes doesn't mean that. Yes or welcome simply means you're here. There's no denying it. This is what I'm working with. I see you. I'm not running from this. So it's a kind of acceptance uh, that this is what our agenda is, whatever has presented itself. Allowing also means to relax the areas around whatever the dominant experience is. So if Uh, Fear, financial fear, has arisen. That might in me be a very strong image of myself homeless with a a tight, contracted belly. And so what I do is I relax around it. I relax the legs, the arms, the, the muscles that connect the shoulders to the neck. I even relax around the eyes, the micro-muscles. So I'm not trying to relax the dominant emotional experience, but I'm relaxing everything else. I is investigate. Investigate means to break down the experience into manageable uh, components that we observe and attend to. And that's what we've been doing on this retreat, is teaching us how to investigate, observe our experience piece by piece. First, the breath. What is the breathing that happens with loneliness or or fear? Uh, What is the body shape that I'm in when I have this experience? Then what is the feeling, tones, the Vedana? What happens to, is there a general sense of comfort or discomfort and how does that express itself? And then what is the other emotional components of loneliness? Does the, I'm sorry, fear, for example, does the belly get really tight or does the throat or the, the, does the jaw lock or does the, the forehead get tight? And what happens to the mind? Does the mind become fixated and pinned to an image or does it jump around or does it feel heavy and sleepy? What is the attention associated with fear. Very often I'll ask, how does this feel? How does this feel? How does this feel? What needs to be felt? What needs to be seen right now? At this place I ask a lot of questions and just see whatever is presented. I don't 
the logical left hemispheric language mind just asks the question and turns towards our inner experience and sees what the answer is. What needs to be felt? How can I take care of this? Questions help put aside our tendency to fix or solve or get rid of or legislate or instruct. And instead, questions urge the rest of the mind to be involved in presenting what's going on. The last is nurture. It was originally another another word. I won't even tell you what it was because it was so ridiculous and just forced in there. But nurture is essentially the uh, the process of doing whatever we can to create an emotionally uh, caring response to whatever emotion or impulse or feeling or memory has been abandoned. Uh, Sometimes this response can also be in words. It can be, I care about my suffering. I care about my pain. I care about my loneliness. I care about my fear. Sometimes it's just presenting that feeling with a very soft image of someone who has cared about us in the past when we've experienced this, or a place where we feel safe and provided and cared for. Now, nurturing in whatever way, it can be just simply sending a very tender uh, intent towards the, the tightness in the stomach, the tightness in the forehead, the images of uh, whatever are rising, just saying, it's okay, you're loved, you're accepted. Um, sometimes this can very quickly resolve the emotion, and sometimes it can actually um, not. The point is never to try, ever to try to get rid of anything in practice. The point is to try to be with our experience in practice. Oddly enough, or ironically enough, sometimes certain issues will eventually disappear over time, but they never disappear under the agenda of, I need to get rid of this, ever. Nothing ever goes away. Anxiety, uh, social anxiety, panic attacks, whatever it is, we're trying to work with, nothing ever goes away when we want to get rid of it. Ever. Ever. But, if you turn and change the agenda to how can I be with this, how can I hold this, create a container for this, which means not being it, not identifying with it, not turning into it, but having enough of a detached, caring awareness that you can turn towards and be a friend of whatever your experience is, then you can find you can hold and work through anything. So let's practice. Finding a really comfortable position. And let's do our three breaths that for me always acknowledge that... uh, that I'm turning inwards, it's kind of my practice. 
to start a meditation. So take a nice full in-breath if you'd like and through the nose and pull up the shoulders up towards the ears. Hold them and then as we breathe out through the mouth, drop them. They're very, very heavy and they're falling away from the ears and they're slightly pulling back to a comfortable degree, opening up the chest. And the next in-breath, pulling in the belly as tight as it can go, like you're trying to reduce your waist size by two inches. And then as you breathe that through the mouth, soften the belly as soft as it can go, as pliant. And for the third in-breath, squinching the muscles of the face, Tighten, 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 and then as we breathe out, relax. So I'd like to bring to mind for us uh, to do this practice, because right now nothing might be presenting itself. So bring to mind an uh, experience that's happened during the retreat where you found uh, your mind very uh, activated by inconvenient uh, memories, images, or thoughts that kept on repeating themselves against your will, any indication that there was an internal battle going on, hold an evocative image of that situation at that time. For example, if there's somebody on the retreat who's been, for some reason, leaving an impression, either positive or negative, hold their image in your mind. Or if it's a memory, hold an evocative image something that will serve as a trigger, an activator, and then turn towards first the breath and the body and just note what do we experience when this is present and just recognize, give it a welcome, whatever, is it anger, sadness, loss, it doesn't have to be accurate, just welcome Instead of that tendency to get rid of or push away, allow. Say yes, welcome again, it's okay, you're permitted. Soften around whatever is present. So if you don't feel any experience that's associated in the legs or the arms, just really keep those areas relaxed. Soften any muscles that might just be stressed that are not part of this, that didn't become activated when you brought up this image or this memory. Yes, yes, this is... Just this, this is what I'm working with, yes. And now let's just spend a few minutes investigating being in this state of being with whatever is seeking our attention. 
if the experience dissipates, if it just starts to fade, if you're not feeling anything associated with the activating image you're holding or the memory or whatever has been returning again and again from the emotional mind, then ask a question that will help. How does it feel to be lonely? How does it feel to be angry? How does it feel to not be seen? How does it feel to be struggling in a relationship? How does it feel? And really investigate, by which I mean take away the need to understand or narrate and just be in the experience as close as you can but not necessarily identified with it. And that's an interesting practice. How can I... It's almost like I'm from another planet and I've dropped into a human body and this human body and mind is experiencing fear. And I want to understand what fear is like. I've never been or known fear before. So I want to see what the breath of fear is. I want to see what the stomach and chest and the breathing and the, the swallowing and the throat and what is the sense of comfort or discomfort. And as this anthropologist from another planet, I want to see what happens to the attention and how do I struggle against it and how can I be with it. What simple phrase, image, 
or sense of care can I address to this experience that will begin to heal all the experiences of abandonment or repression or self-denial that I've greeted with in the past. And this is again where we might need to either be creative or employ the metaphrases that have been most evocative for us on this retreat. So I care about my suffering. I care about my loneliness. I care about you. You're not unwelcome anymore. You're a part of my life. I care about you. You are welcome here with me. No longer abandoning any part of ourselves. So when I ring the bowl, as always, my request is to take the length of the sound when you open your eyes to not just look around the room and push away the internal experience, but to integrate sight into whatever you've become aware of internally. Sight is a very dominant sense port, so If we just open our eyes and look around, as always, it will push away awareness of the embodied state. And we really want to develop a 360-degree mindfulness. 